0: Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Will Schultz. For the sake of this podcast, we'll say that he represents the Michigan Muskie Alliance. We're going to talk mostly about Michigan muskies. Last week we talked about Minnesota muskies. This week we're going to talk about Michigan muskies and just kind of give people a layout on the land as far as different fishing options that are out there. I know that a lot of people, when they think of Michigan, they think of St. Clair, but there's more to it than that. And so this week we're going to talk to Will about that. As far as Brad and Carrie go, uh, Brad's with me when we recorded this episode. Unfortunately, we didn't record an intro prior to it, so Brad's not available right now. Brad and Carrie actually took a vacation to do a little bit of fishing. They're working on some content for Mayhem's 10,000 casts, which I believe you guys would probably see in the offseason this year. So that's where Brad and Carrie are. But if you still want gear from Muskie Mayhem Tackle, make sure you check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. They're the originators of the big bladed flashy boo bucktails, and so if you put an order in with them, I'm sure they'll get back to it as soon as they get back from vacation. I know that I believe there isn't anybody at the shop right now, but you know, don't quote me on it. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. So of course, you know, we spent you know a week talking about spring musky fishing, how everything was so late, and you know what what to expect because of the late season, and then just like that, Mother Nature threw us a curveball last week, and now. I'm assuming most things are, I wouldn't say quite caught up water temperature wise, but I bet you we're really close to where we should be. From my understanding, that looks like Green Bay muskies were, they were getting sampled last week, which means that they're usually in there at that point, then getting, you know, they're getting ready to spawn or they are spawning. I definitely saw a video of some spawning muskies there as well. So, you know, things in Green Bay are moving along. I hear places like Southern Wisconsin, they're moving along as well. I know that there was um, a tournament Indiana muskie classic over the weekend and I heard that those fish had just finished up so I mean it's like all of a sudden spring well we we skipped right over spring we went right to summer last week we had 90 degree temperatures here over where I am in the uh, Green Bay Appleton area so that's kind of typical right we spend all this time planning for um, you know a group of podcasts but hopefully you guys found some use there anyways for information. And I have to always plug Team Rhino Outdoors. As you know, I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. And so if you're looking for gear for your next muskie fishing adventure, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. You know, we're always gearing up. We're always getting more stuff in. New products, new companies. Just recently we had Bangarang Custom Muskie Baits. And we got their freight trains and their Soul Searchers. Soul Searchers sold out really quickly. Still a few freight trains left on the website. So if you're looking for that, go check that out. New baits from Smitty Baits. We just got the Striker in. That was one that we hadn't carried before. We got that. New colors in from Musky Innovations in the Swimming Dogs. And we have piles of Swimming Dogs now. So if you're looking for that kind of stuff, you can find that. And, of course, you know, you, as we move along here, we'll continue to get more products and new products, new colors, and that stuff coming in. I know Slammer Tackle should have a new color here. Maybe by the time this podcast is aired. I'm not positive it'll make it in time or not, but it'll be close check out teamrenooutdoors.com for your musky fishing needs check out muskymayhamtackle.com for your muskie fishing needs and i'm going to dial up that conversation that we had with will schultz michigan muskie alliance all right our guest today is will schultz and will is here i would say will probably representing like the michigan muskie alliance i would say is what we're doing because you used to guide but you don't guide anymore so there's really no guide affiliation at this point
1: Right. Yep. I'm, uh, basically here to promote Michigan and, uh, not, not myself, I guess is the best way to put
0: it. <laughs> All right, well, so first time we've had you on the podcast, we'll have you give a background to listeners so they have an idea what's going on because you used to do some guiding and you've been fishing for these things for a long time. And like I said, you're very involved with, you know, the Michigan side or the, you know, the musky side of things over in Michigan. So why don't we, uh, why don't we have you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what, what your background is, what got you into musky fishing?
1: Sure. Well, really, the you know I grew up on a lake. Um, spent summers on a lake. From the time I could hold a fishing rod, I was fishing at the end of the dock. And then as soon as I had access to a boat, I was out in the boat. Uh, unfortunately, that lake didn't have muskies in it. But uh, I, you know, basically grew up catching everything I could. Um, and then through the years, as soon as I had access to a boat, I was uh, trailing a boat all over the place. And then eighteen had my own boat, and it's been running that all over the place, and that's about when the the muskie addiction started to form. So I fished all over Michigan, and at the time, lots of lakes with tigers planted, so we were chasing around all these tiger lakes and doing that kind of thing. But it was, you know, about was thirty some years ago now. And what I realized is that once the tiger lakes with the state stocked stocking tigers. In the early '90s in all these lakes, and so they started to disappear and around two thousand initially realized that the DNR needed some help promoting, but they also probably needed some help with the hatchery and, and the industry group to do that so we started Michigan Muskie Alliance in two thousand that's kind of where my second addiction started this was uh, not just muskie fishing, but it was the all the assistance with the DNR and the biology and the background and the management and uh, learning as much as I could about that. So, from that point on, we have had an outstanding partnership for the last 22 years with uh, the Michigan DNR um, as far as donating money uh, to the hatchery and buying minnows and helping haul fish from Iowa for six or eight years. Um, so, there's been a lot of work that's been done to make the fishery better. Kind of 20 years ago, I said, Hey, you know what, in 20 years, Michigan. Could be Minnesota if we do this right. Kind of looking at it, I don't think we could ever be Minnesota because our lakes are so different, but we're going to be good and much significantly better than it was 20 years ago. Um, but I did guide from 2009 to 2019 ish. Spent about 10 years doing that, fishing all over and taking clients all over the state, which is kind of cool, getting to spend time away from home, right? Uh, you know, on my local lakes. Instead of uh, always fishing, though, was, I got to uh, spend some time up North and share some knowledge on, on some of these waters that are in the northern area that uh, really have giant fish potential, world-class potential. One of them actually has the modern-day world record. So uh, there's a uh, true 60-pound potential there, um, which you can't find in a whole lot of places in North America. But that's, that's kind of the background. From there, we... Started to do a lot of cool work with some new fisheries that are developing. We can talk about those if you have specific questions about how that happens or anything. Because I'll just keep babbling about <laughs> background stuff. Well, any direction you want to go with those or any direction you want to go with any of the other stuff before we get into that.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about you know, we can't talk Michigan Muskies without talking about St. Clair. Obviously that would say that would probably be the crown jewel of it and there's large fish there, there's numbers of fish there. So we can talk a little bit about that. I mean, what is the state of St. Clair? We kind of got it a little bit from Spencer, you know, a couple, three weeks back or whenever that was. But, you know, why don't we hear it from your side of things and what's your perspective on St. Clair? But we don't want to talk about it a ton today because there's more to Michigan than just St. Clair. And that's kind of what we're looking to get at on this episode today.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of one of those. I did a a seminar a while back for a, a Facebook group. That talks about musty science and things like that, and I talked about St. Clair's specifically in on that one. Um, and the basically what I led into that one with is it's too big to fail, meaning that it'll have its ups and downs. It's had issues with VHS, but it's so complex in where the fish spawn. Uh, they spawn in so many different locations at at such a drastic difference in time of year. So right now, there's fish spawning there. And there'll be fish spawning all the way to the middle of June. It just depends on what location there. So it it over time, it's uh, it's essentially foolproof itself from any huge problem. So if you have big spring floods early, you know, right at this time, those fish that are spawning in some of the rivers right now, they they may not have good natural reproduction. Which is made up for by the fish that spawn in the southeast corner of the lake a little bit later, or it's made up by the fish that spawn down in the Detroit River way through the, you know, up through the middle of June. So that's kind of what I mean by it's, it's too big to fail. Um, it's just so complex with the biology that you can't break it. Um, we've seen that with VHS, you know, with thousands and thousands of fish that have died in VHS events. And you think, okay, the fishing's going to be terrible next year and it's just fine. So there's just so many muskies, and it's so complex that you can't break it. As much as nature's tried to break it with VHS and other other disease issues, it's just, it's impossible. So um, it's outstanding, and it'll probably be outstanding forever. No way that anglers can hurt it. So years and years of harvest, this tournament harvest and things like that, that where they bring in you now 20 muskies a day, and you can't hurt it. If they weren't able to hurt it back then. It is probably in it's best state right now, um, as far as how the fish are growing, VHS seemed to be a little bit more of a, a bonus to the lake um, by eliminating maybe some of the not-so-healthy fish But so we haven't had a VHS event in quite a while. It's been an interesting one to watch, that's for sure.
2: Can you remind me of what year uh, VHS really kind of got known, and is there any absolutes on whether or not it's still in the system?
1: So DHS is weird. It seems to just kind of sit dormant until it hits the perfect storm and then it pops back up. So I want to go back, I want to say 2006 was the first, and then the last confirmed was 2016. And so there, you know, because the 2016 kind of fell into where the DNR had started taking eggs there. That shut everything down that year, of course. That year wasn't horrible. It was just, it was there. Um, it had a you know, an impact, but not a major impact like this first one. So it appears that there may be some type of immunity built up in these fish that they that it doesn't bother them as bad once it's gone through. And we've kind of seen that in, in other areas where it happened. You know, buffalo got hit really hard with VHS most and those fish were slowly coming back but they're running into all kinds of other issues there too so again it's kind of like there's the perfect lake if uh, if you're to build the perfect lake that's it
2: that's interesting uh, do you know of other places that have experienced that is it only affecting the muskies with vhs i mean maybe give the listeners a little background on it it's been a long time i i was going to say somewhere around 2005 2006 i remember starting to hear about it and Honestly, I don't even know if I really heard about it in 16, you know, on that, on that spectrum, I don't think people really even were truly concerned as much as they were in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, after seeing how it impacted, there was a little, little less concern over it. It's kind of just one of those where, Hey, it's here and in the right situation, it's going to come back up again. But 2016 was less of an issue as far as the worry about it, but it does, it impacts multiple fish species, you know, shad has a, a spring die-off, it seems like, every year. But in those years where VHS is bad, you see, you see tons of shad, but then you start seeing tons of other fish. And once you see start seeing the other fish, then the concern starts to grow. Of, okay, what is this? You know, some testing gets done quickly, and then, then they determine whether it's a VHS outbreak or whether it's not. But we've had it in state in, I want to say two, maybe three inland lakes where it, it hits them pretty hard. It hits crappies and bluegills and bass. And you know, if there's muskies, muskies, and then it cycles through and you don't see it again. So all of those, the, the few inland lakes that have seen it, they haven't had issues again since, but it is kind of one of those where it's affected, uh, throughout the Great Lakes there've been little outbreaks. They've had certain areas of salmon get it, but it's it's something that's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Uh, it's just a matter of whether it gets to a point where it comes up again and starts spreading to the fish.
2: I would imagine that, uh, it's probably been seen in Erie and, uh, throughout the whole system with other species then as well. Right. Yep. Yeah. The, the muskies have
1: got it in a few areas. Buffalo, um, had it a little bit, not a little bit, but pretty significant actually. In Buffalo, and so they, uh, you know, they had a, a great river fishery that kind of fallen apart and it'll come back. I don't know if it'll come back to what it was, if they're unable to stock it, you know, that's one of the areas where muskie got hit hard. And so, that's a lot the the, you know, seeing what happened on St. Clair, seeing what happened over Buffalo, that you know, helped drive that 54 in size limit on Green Bay, and again, I think helped drive some of our inland size limits as well here in Michigan, because, you know, we've got some fisheries that are low density and one, one significant disease event could
2: completely wipe out that fishery. That could be a little nerve wracking. That's for sure. Uh, Before we switch gears from the St. Clair side of things, I I asked Spencer about this too. And and he said that there was a study where they actually have watched a bunch of fish go down to that Erie system. Are you aware of anybody down there fishing some of that Erie stuff? I am not. Um, but yeah, that,
1: uh, that is one of the Michigan Monkey Alliance has sponsored that study since the beginning, along with other groups. But it's been very interesting to see what goes on with those fish. A lot of the, a lot of the movement we kind of expected. Some of the movements are very unique. Some lower Detroit River have traveled literally all the way over to Buffalo. So all the way across Erie and back. And it, it appeared to be just one fish, but now in the following years, there's at least one other fish that's doing the same kind of movement. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And they may be able to, because there's so many walleyes being tracked out there, and because they have such a good array of covering like you, they can probably get some idea of, okay, are, are the walleyes doing a similar kind of movement? What other fish do we have tagged out here doing a similar kind of movement? Is it a, is it a prey movement, or is it just these fish that are crazy and just wander all over the place? Other than those dramatic movements, Kind of what we've seen on that is that they're doing basically what you'd expect. They migrate towards the spawning areas in the spring. They hang out in those areas when that water gets warm. They move out to the middle of the lake or other cooler areas. I think the notable thing, other than those fish that are traveling so far, is that these fish that are tagged, that have for the most part been tagged either within the lake at certain locations or some three or four locations throughout the lake. Um, and in the Detroit River, those fish aren't traveling to certain areas. So it's been kind of interesting. The, the St. Clair River has a lot of muskies in it that comes into the lake out of here. But very few of these tagged fish are traveling into those, into that lake or into those, into the delta where the St. Clair River comes in. And they're not traveling very far into the St. Clair River. So it appears to be two different populations. You know, one in the St. Clair River proper, and then a whole separate batch of fish that's south of that in Lake St. Clair. Um, And it's mainly the Detroit River fish that are traveling really all over Lake Erie. Some of the fish from the lake are traveling down through there, but it's really the ones that are tagged in the the lower part of the Detroit River, mid-Detroit River, that that are traveling across Erie.
0: So, Will, before we shift off St. Clair, I want to talk one, one last thing. From what I'm aware of, St. Clair is only sustained through natural reproduction. There's no stocking done on there. Is that right?
1: Correct. There were some um, years ago, there used to be a hatchery in the Detroit area, and they tried to rear some monkeys that were stocked in a couple inland lakes, and some of those fish went back into Lake St. Clair, but that was very minor you know a, a few thousand fish so it's always been maintained by natural reproduction even through the days when it would you know essentially catch on fire because it was so polluted.
0: yeah that's uh it's crazy how i guess how great that fishery is based on you know the fact it doesn't get stocking most of the better fisheries around are you know it's partially because of stocking that they're so good and so i guess that's what makes st clair that much more special
1: yeah it really is um, because it's you know, again, like going back to where I said it was too big to fail. It is really because it's got so many different areas where they successfully spawn that you you can't hurt it. Um, you know, the Chiricahua River has tons and tons of spawning areas. The, you know, the Canadian side has a bunch of different spawning areas, and whether it's you know bay type spawning areas that we think would be the classic musky spawning, uh, or in a river, and and they're all still good. I know they've been cleaned up enough since the 60s to where pollution isn't a problem, and there's a ton of successful farming.
0: All right, so, Will, let's talk about seasons over there in Michigan. I think there's, there's probably a little bit, I would say this may be a little bit complicated. Some people don't quite understand what's going on over there. Why don't you clarify it for a lot of people. What are the seasons for, for fishing muskies over in Michigan?
1: Sure. There is a harvest season. And then there is a catch and release season, which I don't know if you'd really call a season because season seems to be, you know, something that people equate with harvest. So our harvest season statewide begins on the first Saturday of June. That runs varying closures on that. Um, so it may close on January 1st. It may close on March 15th. Uh, it just depends on the water at that point. So that's where it can get a little confusing is when it does actually close. But then, when those seasons, when those harbor seasons aren't open, people can fish catch and release only, uh, which means you can't hold the fish any longer than hook it and you're fine with you know, taking a picture quick, but it needs to get back in the water right away. So you can't put it in your live well, or you can't hold on to it for any length of period because you will be ticketed. The main reason that was created and put into place was because that harvest season was much more complicated a few years ago, where the Lower Peninsula had a a specific opening date. The Upper Peninsula had a separate opening date. Uh, Lake St. Clair had another opening date. And so those were consolidated into one first Saturday in June opening day uh, for harvest. But because the DNR didn't want to take away any opportunity for people that had always been used to fishing at, starting at the end of April in the lower peninsula starting May 15th in the upper peninsula, they proposed this catch and immediate release season that would take place outside of any other season. So that is open statewide right now, all waters in Michigan. It provided a little bit more opportunity. But, you know, the, if we take the upper peninsula, for example, right now, the ice just came off in a lot of those waters. And so yeah, on, a, on a year like this, yeah, it might have provided a week or two weeks more opportunity than was there previously, but it really hasn't uh, made a, a huge difference for a lot of people. Um, what it does has done is kept a lot of our, especially southern Michigan anglers, from traveling to Ohio or from traveling to Indiana because they can stay home and fish now.
0: But let's, so let's talk about that. I know that a lot of the people, though, that fish St. Clair, especially the guides, they still adhere to that June 1st opener, essentially, for St. Clair. Is that something that the Michigan Muskie Alliance would, I guess, recommend people doing is because of the nature of St. Clair?
1: Yeah, St. Clair and others, you know, there's there's definitely some times where they, those fish may be spawning in concentrated areas. Lake St. Clair, not as much as, as some of our inland waters. but it's really, if you've ever fished, you know, southern states for spawning fish, it's very difficult to catch spawning fish. Um, when they're actively spawning, um, it's, it's almost impossible to catch them. And so you're really not seeing any kind of an impact. There was a little worry that thinks they were going to see a ton of traffic just because people thought about that, Hey, I can fish for them whenever I want. And that really hasn't happened. Hasn't happened on any of our others in the lake. Um. And so what's going on on the the change in the harbor season for Inland is is a big deal as far as people being able to go and and keep sea fish at any point. Yeah, St. Clair is, um, again, it kind of goes back to that too-big-to-fail thing. If it had got a ton of traffic um, and a lot of people out there fishing for them, A, they'd, I'm sure, be very frustrated because you see that in the years that St. Clair opened always opens on that first Saturday of June, regardless of whether the fish are spawning or not. And there's a lot of years where they're spawning, you know, into the middle of June. And so that first week, two weeks of season can be very difficult because that water is still cold, the fish are still spawning, and it's it's hard to catch them. The fishery kind of takes care of itself in that respect.
2: Yeah, I think, Jeff, this kind of goes back to a lot of the questions on some of the newer electronics and how that's going to affect our fisheries and, you know they're not going to be able to hide blah 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 and i am a proponent that says you no, know, honestly these fish protect themselves and they figure out a way right and i think that's kind of what will is talking about during the spawning time frame they won't be hindered because they're smart enough to know that hey this is what we're doing we're not going to be um, playing this game you know biting somebody's line so I, I don't know. I, what's your opinion on that, Will? Could you maybe express a little bit, you know, everybody's worried about the live electronics at this point and how it might cause some uh, uh, fish in different areas of the system that aren't normally bothered. What do, what's your opinions on some of that? That's a tough one because, you know, that's one for sure where you could argue both sides of it.
1: 20 years ago, the electronics were horrible, and they've gotten a lot better. Do I catch a bunch of fish that I probably normally wouldn't to caught Without my electronics each year? Yeah, for sure. Is it going to make a difference on the fisheries? Probably not. Like you said, they, they kind of take care of themselves. In a spawning situation, they shut up. They don't want to eat anything. You know, we're seeing the hot water study stuff was that, done on the James River. They kind of take care of themselves at the same time when, they're, when the water gets real hot. So it gets over 78 degrees and they stop eating. It's just something built in that uh, the, the fish sort of take care of themselves. Something in their biology, something in their physiology is set to go, hey, you know, their brains, they're not smart, clearly, because they have this little tiny pea sized brain, but something within their physiology says, so if I, if they exert too much energy, they're going to die. And so they just don't eat. So I, I, you know, you can apply that to a lot of the, you know, open water situations and things like that where, live scope may be helping you find some of these fish doesn't necessarily mean you still got to catch them
2: yeah i don't i don't want any confusion there well i mean i am all about the fish right and so i'm not saying who cares blah 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 go do it but but in some weird sense like you just said they always seem to protect themselves not that you can't fool them because we fool them every day right the just to it is, is I think these fish just move and, and they make changes to their daily routines or try to find a different place to sit and relax um, versus maybe where they've been caught before. I guess is what I'm saying. But I'm a huge proponent on always you know safety for the fish. I mean that's that's number one. I mean I think all musky anglers feel that way. Oh yeah, definitely. And they are
1: you know they they will change their habits. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, you see it especially on small waters. Where that you you find that hot technique or that hot lure or whatever, and you catch them all one summer, it seems like, and then you can't catch a fish on that for the next five years,
0: all right, so well, let's talk a little bit about you know Michigan in general, so let's just say i'm I'm looking to come fish Michigan, whether it be the u p or you know the the larger area of Michigan. Is there a resource that people can go to to find out? you know, where fish are being stocked because, you know, I'm not, you know, me being in Wisconsin for me to shoot up to the UP, especially once I'm in Northern Wisconsin, it's not really that far for me to go. And I've often thought about poking around up there a little bit. Is there some place at least for, you know, let's say we'll use me for example, but for anglers to go and, and find out which lakes are actually have muskies in them or and stocking data and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way, because all the links are kind of in one place is, On our Michigan Monkey Alliance webpage, there's a tips, tools, and tech tab. And under that tips, tools, and tech tab, there's a whole section on how to find fish in Michigan. So if you want to go find information about Michigan monkeys, click that link about information. And on that page, there's a a map that you can look at. And within that map, it will show all the waters in Michigan that are managed for muskies. Also on that page, there is a database link that will take you to the Michigan DNR stocking database. And so you can say, okay, that lake's fairly really close to me. Let's see where you know what the stocking's been in the last twenty years, and go in that database, change the filters so that it's for that lake, and then you can see all the data that's for uh, all the stocking for that lake, how big the fish were, the dates they were stocked, uh, to give you an idea of you know kind of what you're looking for if you. You know, if the lake you picked is one of the managed waters, but it's only been stocked two times in the last five years, you know, have an idea that you're going to be fishing. There's some fairly small fish if you still want to go there. Um, but you find one that's, you know, next door and the database on stocking goes back 20 years, then, you know, you're going to find a, a good variety of fish and hopefully some big fish.
0: So, do you happen to know offhand how many lakes within the UPN Michigan? Would have muskies in them?
1: There are approximately 120 managed waters, but there's so many more lakes that aren't necessarily managed that have muskies in them. So, for instance, Little Bay Denock is now considered a managed water because there has been some stocking there, but it wasn't historically. Big Bay Denock is not considered one of the managed waters, even though there are muskies there. But we do have 120 waters that are, that are specifically managed, which, you know, includes some of the UP waters that are fairly small, some southern Michigan waters that are very small, all the way up to, you know, the ground the River Mouth Lake off of Lake Michigan, Lake St. Clair, and, and so forth.
0: The other question I would have is, what would you consider the pressures like on non-St. Clair musky lakes in Michigan? I mean, are there a lot of anglers fishing for them or not so much?
1: There are certain lakes that get a fair amount of pressure. Um, Those are, you know, around city center type situations. So there's only one lake near the capital of the state, which is Lansing, which is in the center. That gets a fair amount of pressure. But, you know, I've fished Lake St. Clair when it's busy and it doesn't necessarily get the pressure that some of those small areas get. I've fished Webster Lake in Indiana. It gets a ton of pressure. And so we get enough, I guess the best way to put it is that they're spread out enough that they don't get tons of pressure. Um, So if I see, you know, more than three or four other boats on a lake that's 500 acres, um, that's a lot of pressure.
0: All right. So overall, it's not very pressured on some of those lakes, like you said, but I mean, that'd be similar to like Wisconsin and I'm sure, you know, the Metro lakes in Minnesota, the more people are around them, the, the more they're going to fish those particular lakes. And if you start to go outside that circle a little bit, you'll find that pressure reduces significantly. Yep, yeah, exactly. You know, so, well. there's a lot of talk about Great Lakes muskies There's a lot of talk about Leech Lake muskies. What type of fish are we seeing show up in Michigan waters?
1: For many years. Going back to the 60s, all of our inland waters were stocked with a Wisconsin strain. In Michigan here, we call them the Northern Strain for who whatever reason. In 2011, there was a shift because so many of our inland waters drained to the Great Lakes. They didn't want to continue to stock that strain where it could end up in Lake Michigan or it could end up in Lake St. Clair or Lake Huron. And so the shift was made. Test was done in 2012 to see if they could take enough fish in the Detroit River to be able to take Great Lakes strain eggs, that was pretty successful. And so since 2012, other than a few waters around the state that are are getting Wisconsin strain as a trade from Wisconsin, all of our waters are stocked with Great Lakes fish. And what that's allowed the state to do is to start to build up these waters, especially along Lake Michigan, that used to have very good musky fisheries that were destroyed for whatever reason, habitat or overfishing or commercial fishing. So now we've got a bunch of lakes that are coming up that are along Lake Michigan that um, have been stocked fairly consistently that have these great lake fish that are, uh, are showing the same kind of growth that we see as, as these great lake fish were stocked in Green Bay. Um, so they're growing super fast. Uh, a lot of these lakes have shad. Um, so they've got an unlimited supply of food. They can travel in and out to Lake Michigan where there's even more food. It's been a big deal with what's happened over the last 10 years.
0: All right, Well, So before we let you get out of here, I know in the beginning you had talked about how Michigan was hoping to, in 20 years, was hoping to be you know, on par with Minnesota. And obviously those are some big shoes to fill why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, where you think you are in Michigan right now and what the future looks like for Michigan muskies? Well, we definitely, you know, that, that was probably wishful thinking because we don't have the same kind of water.
1: And you know, we've got very few that are the size of some of those Minnesota waters. But, you know, as far as opportunity, we've definitely scratched the surface on providing more opportunity. The, the restoration waters that are now getting stocked with Great Lakes Stream. Are definitely providing that. You know, it's taken longer than we planned to to create some Great Lakes drain broodstock lakes, so those aren't quite online yet. But, you know, the state in general is dramatically different than it was when you So many decent fisheries, some really good fisheries, some fisheries in the north that uh, provide you know, absolute giant potential. And some of those probably still need some help. Um, But we've come a long way as far as size limits and things like that, where, you know, those waters that really need help, we've dropped the, the annual bag limit to one fish a year. So nobody can take more than one ever. We've, you know, increased size limits to 46 or 50 inches on water that need that additional protection. So we've definitely come a long way. Do we still have a long way to go? Probably. Will it get there? Yeah, I think it will. I think in the next 10 years, we're going to be a destination state on a lot of these waters, especially some of this newer stuff that's uh, along that's Lake Michigan.
0: Yeah, I know I've definitely seen a lot of pictures. I know of, you know, a, few, a handful of anglers that have sent pictures or I've seen them post pictures of really just some, you know, awesome giant muskies, and I'm not just talking St. Clair because obviously that's no secret. They've been pumping out great fish there for a while. It's really great to see. I would say it's 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 awesome that there's a lot of different states that are, giving, you know, I would say not giving back, they're, they're investing into the future of muskie fishing and, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities all across the Midwest and it sounds like Michigan is just another one of them that you should add to your list of places that are definitely worthwhile destinations to come out and, and fish muskies.
1: Yes, definitely. Yes, we're, like I said, we're getting there, um, and we will be there, uh, and it'll definitely be a destination in the next 10 years outside of Lake St. Clair.
0: All right, well, well, I want to thank you a bunch for taking time out of your schedule to talk about Michigan muskies with us. It's, I mean, certainly sounds like a place that, you know, more anglers should put on their, their hit list essentially to, to, to check out and fish. And I hope that, you know, some anglers do take it up on that other than, you know, like I said, we talk about St. Clair and it's hard to talk Michigan muskies without talking about St. Clair, same as it's hard to talk Wisconsin muskies without talking about Green Bay. So I want to thank you again for doing that. I want to thank all of our listeners for checking out another episode with us and we'll catch everybody with a new episode again next Wednesday.